Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rental Housing Association of Washington's podcast, Housing Matters. I am once again your host, Corey Jalseth. I am the External Affairs Manager for RHA. Just want to say thank you to everyone who has been listening to our first two episodes of the show. We've had a lot of uh, feedback and a lot of uh, people listening and viewership on YouTube. So I just want to say thank you very much uh, for everybody who has tuned into that. If you missed our last episode, it's available anywhere you can find podcasts or on RHA's YouTube page. And in that episode, I interviewed two local Uh, rental housing providers in King County, as well as the tenant landlord attorney. And we talked about the current state of evictions in King County. In this week's episode, I am speaking with Corey Brewer. Yes, another Corey, just without the E, like in uh, my name with the E. Uh, He is vice president of residential operations for Windermere Property Management, Lori Gill and Associates. Uh, He oversees leases and management agreements, as well as functioning as a primary point of contact for property managers and leasing agents. We conducted our interview on-site at Corey's office in Bellevue, and our conversation mainly covers the current state of eviction safety for property management companies, but also uh, tenant safety in that same respect. Corey oversees mostly properties in the King County metro area, and an increasing issue is the safety of those living in these communities when you have a disruptive resident. What can be done if another resident is a constant problem to their neighbors? We also touch on predictions for the short-term future of the rental housing market and availability of that housing. Well, Corey Brewer, thank you so much for joining uh, Housing Matters, the the Rental Housing Association of Washington podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, Would you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, where you you grew up and went to school and all that? Yeah, um, very, very exciting story. Uh, I'm a Seattle area native. (laughs) I've, I've lived in King County my whole life. Born in Seattle, raised on the east side, moved back into Seattle to go to school at UW. And then now I live back on the east side. All right. So Husky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel about the recent uh, Apple Cup game there? Oh, uh, it was too close, but <laughs> worked I'm, out. I'm a kook, so that was a little uh, <laughs> that was a little heartbreaking. But honestly, I thought we were going to lose by 20. So the fact that it was that close, I guess it kind of made me more mad. But um, <laughs> but we hung in there, so that's okay. Um, have you have you always worked in the real estate sphere? Did you start uh, doing something else? Yeah, I mean, just normal high school jobs. But professionally, mm-hmm. um, I got right into real estate uh, before, like right before I graduated, actually. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, in fact, I did not walk at UW graduation. You did? Uh, that was a Saturday. Uh-huh. I, I think I, I started that day. Um, not because the whatever was going on that day was super important, but the... Um, the valedictorian or the person giving the, the graduation yeah. speech, she was a writer for the UW Daily. Did not care for her. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, didn't really want to go listen to her talk for an hour. That was part of it. Fair enough. <laughs> Protest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. With my feet. I voted with my feet. <laughs> They're going to tell yeah. me you were holding an open house or something yeah, like that. No, well, yeah. I might have been. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like the protest though. That's good. That's good. Um, and so, starting in uh, real estate, how did you how did you kind of progress to to where you are today? Yeah, um, the the reason I chose real estate um, it, it's not what my family background was in mm. at all. Uh, but my dad uh, gave me some advice that I really appreciated. It was talking about okay, you're looking at your career path, and if you if you don't want to be relocated someday by whatever company you work for and, and you know figure out where they're headquartered you might end up in north dakota minnesota sure. i knew i didn't want that mm. um and so i knew i wanted to focus on something local and you can't get much more local than real estate absolutely um and so that that's what drew me in um i was a sales broker for about eight or nine years uh i i ended up in a place where 
even though I was one of the younger people in the office, um, I was one of the people who was there most often. Like a lot of realtors just hang their license and right. and, and aren't very actively uh-huh. engaged in the business. Um, I definitely was. Um, and uh, I found that people started kind of coming to me for advice or double check things. Um, I saw the way that my manager was running the office and I was like, okay, I really want to do that. Like I want to, I want to run the team. And I got an opportunity to do that, uh, in 2009, 2010. Excellent. Um, but we kind of quickly shifted into the, the market downturn at the time. Absolutely. Um, and a lot of people left the industry and a lot of offices closed. The office that I was managing closed. And I had an opportunity to go back to my old office and, and go back to sales, but I found that I really liked being the kind of the team leader, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and as it turned out, uh, here at this company, Windermere Property Management, um, while the real estate sales market was declining, the the rental and leasing and management market sure. was still growing. And um, they were in a build mode at the time, which was very interesting to me. Um, when a downturn, yeah, that's a big Yeah, dur- build, during yeah. a real estate downturn, mm-hmm. th- this company was still in, in growth mode. Yep. Um, and we haven't looked back. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, because when you talk about that time period, too, um, I grew a little my background. I grew up, um, uh, my parents are small, small landlords. My mom's in real estate, and uh, my dad's been a mortgage lender for almost almost mm-hmm. 20 years. But mm-hmm. uh, in that downturn, they, they both stayed in the business, but his company got bought out. And then like two years later, got bought out by somebody else again. Uh-huh. And then he ended up with uh, the company he's still with now. But um, he didn't get relocated. To he, North he did not. No, he no. moved from Puyallup to Tacoma. So okay. I think he was OK. He was OK yeah, with okay, that. But, uh, yeah. No, they did not send him anywhere else. Um, <laughs> Nothing bad about North Dakota, by the way. No, no, no. Uh, I've never been there, though. Uh, I, uh, it's I, far. I visited the University of North Dakota uh, in high school. I was considering going oh, okay. there for... That's my only my only trip there. That's my only North Dakota oh, okay. story. But uh, yeah, all right. Uh, so he's still doing his thing. He's still doing his yep. thing. Yeah, um, yeah. It's been an interesting, uh, as I'm sure, uh, obviously you're you're in the business as well. So um, it's been an interesting last couple of years uh, since mm-hmm. the the rates have gone up and mm-hmm. um, and all that. But uh, from a property management side, have you guys seen uh, seen growth uh, in the sector, even with kind of the economic yeah. downturn? Okay, okay. Yeah. So same. Uh, same play out as, as before. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, we can get into that a little bit, but, yeah. um, yes, the short answer is yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so all the recent, uh, rental housing legislation, whether that be local or state level from Olympia, um, have you noticed a decline, it, a, a large decline in rental housing across the Puget Sound region as a whole? Decline in supply or decline in quality? I guess both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, not in supply. Okay. Um, now, I don't think the supply is necessarily tied. There's so many factors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, the yeah. world is a complicated place. Yes. Um, what we are seeing in our market, which is primarily single-family houses, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of people out there who are going to hang on to their 2.65% interest rate. Right. And maybe not a good time for them to sell that house for various reasons mm-hmm. in addition to that. Um so they give us a call and we put it into the rental pool. Yep. Um, so we are seeing uh, more houses available than what would be seasonally normal right okay. now. Okay. Um, so from the supply side, we, we definitely have that. Um, accidental landlords. Accidental <laughs> landlords. Yeah. I, I think that will run its course. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then uh, in the apartment market, um, it depends what story you read, but whether construction is up right. or halted or they're going to convert yes. you know, office buildings into apartments. Um, I don't keep a super close eye on that, but, um, you know, people are still moving to the Seattle area every single day and they need somewhere to live. Um, so the supply I think is, um, good for renters Mm -hmm. right now. That's good. Um, pricing hasn't come down that much. Uh, maybe people are, they want to hang on a little longer until they, until they start dropping. Sure. Um, they can. They can handle a little vacancy on the front end. I, yeah. I, I don't know exactly what everybody's in a unique situation. Um, the quality of housing um, or the type of housing, yep. uh, I think you can start to tie this back to legislation because the, the interest rates are going to do what they're going to do and the market is going to react. Mm-hmm. But I think we have some pretty strong evidence uh, prior to interest rates jumping to 7 and 8%. Yeah. Uh, what the housing market was doing in response to legislation and the Seattle RRIO numbers tell that story pretty clearly um, where the number of units stayed relatively flat Mm -hmm. uh, over the, it was like a two year period. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you look at the number of um, three and four and more bedroom units versus zero and one bedroom Mm -hmm. units there's a big change there and the way that that database measures things is all of those are considered one unit so a studio apartment is one housing unit and a six bedroom 10,000 square foot house is one housing unit um (laughs) i did i did not know that okay they're all it's one unit unit. they look at at unit count and property type okay unit count stayed relatively the same Mm -hmm. property type there's a there was a major shift and we have a lot of three and four bedroom houses coming out of the rental pool being backfilled by studio and one bedroom apartments Mm -hmm. and people at the housing justice project will tell you well there's no problem with supply because look at the unit count yeah it's we're good on unit count but that doesn't help, you know, people a, house, a household of five or six people. Mm-hmm. They can't live in a studio. Right. Um, and, you know, where, where we see it a lot on the single family end is these larger families that are also subsidy voucher holders. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. They, they have a limited choices to begin with. Um, and that's great and everything that this new, this new tower is being built with a bunch of studio apartments. Right. But we need a four-bedroom house. Right on a voucher in Renton and there's none available anymore. So thanks for doing all this and, and pushing out the houses and filling it back with one bedroom apartments. Right. A lot of people don't need that. The statistics look good when you talk about the units, but the actual yeah. uh, people it affects. And yeah. I think that goes into the, you know, construction of new homes too. I mean, it, nobody's building the starter family house no, because it's not profitable. No, the dirt is too expensive. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think that's unfortunately going to be a continuing issue. And, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, spur investment and yeah. You gotta, well, they can, the, there is a way to, to, you know, the neighborhood and I, I live in, I see a lot of this going on. Mm-hmm. Um, hundred year old house. Sure. Uh, Grandma finally has to move off to the retirement mm-hmm. home, and then they sell the house. Yep. And one of two things can happen. 
it, it's a little rambler mm -hmm. and no one's going to, you're going to lose a ton of money if you try to replace it with a rambler. Right. Yep. So you're going to come in and you're going to build a 5,000 square foot house as a builder, because that's the only way you're going to make a profit sure. on this project mm -hmm. because the land was so expensive. Okay. Yeah. Well now with the zoning changes, maybe they can put a nice looking triplex that still kind of fits the uh -huh. character of the neighborhood. Um, and I think that is going to be a good way to, to kind of chip away at this problem. Okay. Okay. Um, build up a little bit as opposed to out. Sure. You can still put three bedrooms in a unit. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm encouraged what I see there. Um, trick is going to be more cars, more parking. Sure. Um, that, that I think is the key challenge there. Um, but yeah, there, there, there are ways to attack the problem that yep. don't involve, you know, manhandling the, uh, landlord tenant relationship. <laughs> That's, that's not necessarily the the target that needs to be approached, mm -hmm. so I don't think. Uh, we can get more into kind of specifics and some uh, follow-up questions, but if you would, kind of the 30,000-foot view of the current state of uh, tenant safety and the uptick in dangerous evictions in, in Washington State. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I have not been a part of any of those firsthand, at least not recently. Mm -hmm. um, there have been some stories in the news, though, and it's not just Seattle, but um, it's definitely happening more often than I can ever remember happening before. And I mean, for we, we manage roughly 2000 doors here. Mm -hmm. And most years, if I hear about two or three evictions happening over the course of a year, that's like a busy year. Okay. For yeah. eviction. Like, it, yeah. It's like never, it's unheard. We don't, we just don't encounter that. Mm -hmm. um, last couple of years, it's eight or 10 going at any given time, um, which out of a couple thousand isn't, it's not much. Sure. But compared to what we've been used to, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's crazy. It's out of control. Um, how many of those people are dangerous? I don't think we really know, but, um, you know, we've seen signs of certain types of behavior that definitely give us pause. Sure. And, um, you know, I was talking to one of our agents um, who's a female and the tenant was a male. Um, and uh, he lived in a condo unit that was kind of down at the end of a hall. You got to turn a corner to get there. Uh, it's pretty far from the stairwell, pretty far from the elevator. And I remember like it was yesterday. It was probably six months ago, but I remember it like mm. it was yesterday. She just told me, Corey, I don't feel comfortable walking down that hallway because I don't have an escape route. And not that this guy ever did anything to her, but like some of the signs were kind of there. Yep. And I we just all agreed like there's no way she's walking up to that door without a police officer mm. by her side. Um, and it just like those kind of things are a little more top of mind now. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, so you say more recently, do you think uh, this was kind of trending this way before the pandemic or kind of a pro product of the pandemic, do you think? Um, I, I definitely would lean toward product of, mm -hmm. um, you know, we just have um, the tables been set for people to break the rules and not have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, so with that in your prof uh, professional capacity, um, I mean, you just spoke about how you had to send a police officer. Have you really had to pivot, um, your overall business in, in any large sense at all? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is, well, there's a couple things. 
there's the service of notices, which is kind of on hyperdrive, and I think mm-hmm. unnecessarily. Um, but th- that kind of in combination with just the overall nature of, I think it's really unfortunate that the landlord-tenant relationship has been set up to become more and more and more confrontational. Absolutely. Um, and it never used to be that way. Like no. we, we used to talk to people and work stuff out, you know, yep. um, not necessarily that it was a handshake agreement. Mm-hmm. Like you still have to sign contracts and, yep. and everything. But um, it, I feel like it can and should be a lot more friendly, a lot more of a partnership. Mm-hmm. We should be able to trust each other. Absolutely. Um, and we're definitely going down a road where things have to be a lot more formal. Um, the, the paper trail is key. It's always been key, but it, it's even more so now. You make one little mistake, you have to start over completely. And where we used to just maybe a phone call mm-hmm. is now someone walking up to your door with a scary looking piece of paper. But if we don't do that, we set ourselves up for failure yep. in the future. So we have to take this more formal routine. Um, Make sure your bases are covered. Yeah. And yeah. so that that's probably the biggest shift okay. that I've seen. All right. Um, so you mentioned serving notices and that uh, obviously being a big, big safety factor. Uh, and I believe you've spoken about this at the state level. Uh, yeah, I've, yeah. I've spoken to members of the legislature yeah. okay. privately. Yes. This is not something I've testified about uh-huh. yet, but I'm very much looking forward <laughs> to it. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, And uh, were those conversations, do you think, uh, constructive? Were they receptive? Or was it kind of just, hey, thanks for coming by? It seems like it's being received well. Okay. And there's basically, I think there's about three key points that I'm trying to make about this. Of course, safety Mm -hmm. is a factor. Um, Why? I mean, there's a piece of paper, right? Yeah. Why do I have to drive across town and walk it up to someone's uh-huh. door who might be in a bad mood that day? Right. Sure. Right? Why, sure. why do I have to do that? Why yep. can't I mail it? Why can't I email it? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is definitely a safety factor. Um, there, there have been a couple stories in the news recently about gunfire as a result of these confrontational right. meetings between people. Um, but I think in Washington State particularly, uh, there has been... Um, so it, uh, a resonant point to be made with the environmental impact. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big one because we're printing a lot of paper right. and we're burning a lot of fuel mm-hmm. driving it around. Um, and as is often the case with um, landlord-tenant legislation, I think a lot of it is built specifically with apartment buildings in mind. And maybe it's not that big of a deal to print off a sheet of paper and walk it down the hall to unit 205. Right. But if if I have to drive from Bellevue to Auburn, yep. you know, mm-hmm. um, that makes a difference. And then multiply that by however many rentals there are throughout the state. Sure. It's a lot. Um, so the environmental, uh, the safety factor. And then I think privacy is another issue, too. If I was on the receiving end of something like that, mm-hmm. I don't really want my neighbors knowing my business. If I'm not home, they tack it to the door. Absolutely. I hadn't even really thought about it's that. It's kind but, of intrusive, yeah. you know. Um and so I, one of the people I was talking with, um, who is a member of the House of Representatives and a realtor, she's like, well, this is crazy because I can sell a house without ever print, Absolutely. printing a sheet of paper or holding a pen. Yep. You know, why can't you lease a house or or renew a lease? Uh-huh. Right. It, it, so that's the direction we're trying to take this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So regarding, uh, you just talked about uh, running the the paper everywhere and, and mm-hmm. having to go all over all over the state to drop stuff off. If you were to to, you know, kind of a pipe dream, if you were able to draft a uh, kind of tenant protection bill for um, helping to remove dangerous tenants to for the safety of the other residents, yeah. and then also something of an electronic notices bill, kind mm-hmm. of what would your what would your vision be for sure. for those two things? Um, I don't know that I've given too much thought to the safety aspect mm-hmm. of it, um, but how I would introduce it, and I've kind of I've taken a stab at uh, uh, editing the applicable RCW, and uh-huh. I sent it off to sure. the powers that be. <laughs> um, but I would just make it an opt-in. You, okay, yeah. you're not supposed to be taking anyone's rights away, mm-hmm. and I don't think that that's the way that I would draft it. Yep. It it would you can do. A, B, C, or D, Yep. right? Mm-hmm. And this is a new option, D. Uh, and in your lease, you could give your tenant the choice to check a box and say, yes, I want to opt in to electronic delivery, mm-hmm. which I think the overwhelming majority of people would do yep. because they would rather receive an email than having something stuck to their door. 100%. Um, and now people get to choose how they want to communicate. And it's also not the Stone Ages anymore. Uh, I, I know you think about everything yeah. you can do digitally. And as yeah. you said, when you buy a house, yeah. um, and if you still want to buy a house with paper documents, you most certainly can. But, you can. But, and you have to do what, exactly what you just said. You sign the electronic dis- disclosure agreement, and yeah. you send all your stuff. And it's not, it's not a big deal. And you can buy, buy a house that yeah. way. So why not? Why not this? You mentioned uh, when we when we spoke last week, you had uh, just taken a call with renting in Seattle mm-hmm. to discuss. Um, I believe it was tenant safety, but it may have also been notices. I, I don't recall um, from our conversation. But um, would you mind just maybe elaborating a little bit on what you spoke about and if they were receptive or, or how kind of that went? Yeah, uh, I'll I'll try not to give too much detail. But yeah. we it's one of the handful of evictions that we have going right now. It's it's a non-payment case but it has evolved into a behavioral case mm-hmm. as well. Um, and the tricky part that I've encountered so far is that we, we've got the non-payment eviction going, and, of course, the timeline on that is Yeah, I'll, yeah, is I'll, I'll want to ask you about that in a minute, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going we're gonna to eat up the better part of a year yep. on this from start to finish. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, we've got behavioral issues, and we, we could compromise our non-payment case by issuing new behavior notices right. because it would be too confusing. Um, okay. Like right. your dog is not supposed to be pooping in the elevator and you're supposed to be paying. Is that confusing? I, I don't know. That apparently seems, that's that very, confusing, yeah. very confusing apparently. Um, but anyway, so uh, I, I was really talking about like, what are my options to take some kind of different action outside of the, you know, um, standing eviction mm-hmm. that we're working on. And um, I guess the the positive takeaway is that nobody's going to do anything unless someone files a complaint. Sure. Um, I was concerned, like, you know, am I going to be um, accused of some kind of harassment or discrimination mm-hmm. for really going after the, hey, behavior, neighbors are having a problem with you, blah, 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 sure. um, outside of the formal eviction Mm -hmm. process and one of the things you mentioned leading up to this was did did we did we end that call with a kind of an agreed to disagree resolution and yeah i think that's a good way to describe (laughs) it um 
the the code enforcement officer that I was talking to, you know, I understand that she didn't write the law. Right. Her job is to, you know, oversee that things go mm-hmm. according to the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to kind of bite my tongue a little bit and, and understand, okay, I know that it's not your fault. Right. But what if this and what if that and what if this? And, you know, she talked me through it and... Um, certainly I walk away from that with some list of things that I would change <laughs> if I was in charge. <laughs> if given the, yeah, if yeah. Given the opportunity. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, my, our previous podcast, uh, housing matters, I spoke to, uh, Caitlin Jackson, who I, I, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. works at uh, Williams Kastner and we talked about the, uh, housing justice project and, um, kind of the current state of evictions <laughs> yeah. at the uh, King County level specifically. Um, and, how is there's just a huge backlog as you mentioned this this case you're working on may take up to a year um, mm-hmm. it could take mm-hmm. up to a year do you do you think there's sort of a kind of long-term solution to to the problem do, do we need more money from more commissioners or um how how do you kind of see see that going sure uh there's a big story about this in the times mm-hmm. a couple days ago. yes yep um after reading that story the first thing that that i think of is Okay, whatever money is funding the housing justice project, mm-hmm. they're trying to keep people from losing their home because right. they can't afford it. Right. So we're paying all this money to the attorneys. Yes. Instead of using the money to pay the rent that is owed, and once it gets paid, there's no more eviction to be had. What a what a concept. Um, what a crazy concept. <laughs> um, so. No, I don't think funding uh, an outfit like the Housing Justice Project makes any sense mm-hmm. at all, um, especially for non-payment cases. Sure. Now, if they want to handle discrimination cases, things of that nature, mm-hmm. um, then I think there's a place for that. But the non-payment cases are a no-brainer. Um, is it is the backlog because they don't have enough judges? Is that what I, you're asking? The, uh, if Yes, if you would, if you do think that that's the case, in, in the Times article you spoke to, um, they seem to me to almost to, to to admit flat out that they are purposely slowing things down as well. So I don't know that it's just just the number of commissioners, but um, I can't prove this. Uh-huh. But but I've seen I've heard Caitlin talk about yeah, this, yeah. and I I've seen um, I've participated in hearings on Zoom so far, and I've, I've observed other cases. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. didn't happen in mine. Um, but I, I think there's definitely something to the idea that they, the judges are pushing these timelines out mm. and they are, they are allowing the argument that, oh, so-and-so was confused and we need another six months to figure it out. They don't want to be the person responsible for putting so-and-so out on the street. Sure. And I, I think that any judge hearing a case like that in the current environment might be fearing for some kind of retaliation against them personally mm-hmm. if they were to look at a case, it's black and white, yep. yes, this eviction stands, and now they, you know, they, they get attacked on their drive home. Right. Or slandered in the newspaper mm-hmm. or something. Um, I, think, I think there's something there. Sure. Because I, I, yeah, speaking with Caitlin, that's sort of how unlawful retainer is supposed to work. She said it's, you know, it's very cut and dry. You go in, did you pay? No. Okay, here's your writ. Bye, we're done. And, uh, but as you said, maybe that plays into it. Um, I I guess time time will tell, but uh, it just seems 
when I talk to people, maybe maybe you've heard different, but it just seems to be mostly a King County problem. It, That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Pierce County and, and Snohomish just seem to be, um, you know, taking care of this a lot more quickly. Um, and I, other people I've spoken with too, they think that I mean, in the long run, sure that the tenant gets to stay in, in their their house or their unit or, or whatever it might be, but they're still racking up that debt. And when and when the time comes you know, that the, the repay has to come and how are they going to yeah. be able to do that if they're, you know, eight months out or anything like that. So I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily very fair. Um, I'm, or, or I'm good just for the tenant as well. The, there's a couple that we have going right now. I mm-hmm. can think of where, yes, the money owed is a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just thinking about all the other people who live in the building that have to endure right. this really bad situation with yeah. a, with a disruptive neighbor. Right. Um, and you know, no light at the end of the tunnel for them, right? Let alone the bills that are racking up for our client, right? Um, and you know, I, I we're we're talking a lot about evictions here, and I think it's worth uh, saying, and I want to definitely be on record that it is we definitely view it as a last resort. Yep. We we try everything that we possibly can to um, keep this from actually happening because it goes on someone's record, you uh, know, like yep. well. If we've reached the point of no return, we will file for an eviction. Yeah. But we really try to yeah. avoid it. Seven seven years, just like a bankruptcy. But but as you said, yeah. I think that's that's the nice thing about small housing providers or or um, property management companies that you have the relationships with your tenants. Mm-hmm. And and you know if somebody calls you and says, hey, I'm having a, a hard time. Can we work something out short term? Sure. Yeah. If if you're you know living in an apartment building that's owned by a multi billion dollar corporation yeah. that has its headquarters in New York City or something, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that you're going to be able to talk everybody is like just that. a number on a spreadsheet, right? right. In and that situation, the relationship's mm-hmm. not there, and um, and I think I wish more legislature uh, legislators and lawmakers would take that into account when they pass um, rule, new rules and policies and ordinances that make it so much harder for the not multi-billion yeah. corporations yeah. Uh, to operate be, uh, because you push those people out of the market and that's all that people are left with. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, speaking also of that Seattle Times article um, mm-hmm. and, and a couple other um, news um, outlets actually have reached out to RHA, uh, Crosscut and a couple others. Um, speaking of the uptick in eviction filings, especially uh, when you look at the numbers October compared to April, it's almost, it's almost double um, mm-hmm. in King County. And so, um, for someone working in your your industry, do you uh, believe the major driving cause of that is you know refilings because maybe something wasn't wasn't properly filed, or or um, do you think that's maybe COVID rental assistance expiring over the last summer? Any insight on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it from a from a overhead view, yeah. I, I would have to imagine that it's people hadn't been paying for some amount of time. Sure. And now the they've tried to work it out. The option to file for an eviction now exists. Mm-hmm. That was off the table for a couple of right, years. Right. And so um, I, I have to imagine that there's just some buildup there. Mm-hmm. And people are doing it now because they can. They can. Um, not that they want to. Of course not. No, no, no. Uh, I, and I think that's a really important point. Yeah. Um, but I have to imagine that, you know, we've got a handful of them ourselves we tried to work it out, mm-hmm. not going anywhere. Yep. Um, our, the the only option that we have is to file that thing. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I think 
that's where a lot of people are finding themselves. Yeah. Because as you said, it is the last resort. Nobody, I mean. I can't tell you how many times yeah. a couple of these people, oh, I promise, uh-huh. sign the payment plan that we offer yep. them. Very extended payment plan, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Um, never see a dime. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hear that, yeah, talking to other you know, small uh, rental house, you know, maybe they own a house or, or two or something. And I hear that same story. It's, man, yeah. I tried to work it out with these people. I know, I know they're having some trouble. And, uh, you know, we sign a payment agreement and maybe I get, you know, a thousand dollars or something from them. And then I don't, I don't hear from them again. And, and then unfortunately we have to go to this, this next step. So, mm-hmm. um, should be noted, I think too, that, uh, as you, as you said, evictions are a last resort and overall compared to, you know, the previous decade or so, they're still, at a, at a, at a low. I mean, they were, they were higher pre pandemic. Um, and even with, uh, the kind of upswing that they've had this, this year, uh, still below pre pandemic numbers. Um, so I think that definitely is a number that should be taken into account. So we've talked a lot about, uh, confrontational relationships with landlords, but for the most part there, it's a wonderful relationship and, and personal and you, you get, you get to know your landlord and the tenant gets to know their landlord. Um, can you talk a little bit about that that type of relationship? Yeah. Um, gosh, that's like, I don't know if we talk about it very much around here, but it yeah. kind of feels like the, like it's the unspoken number one priority. Yeah. Right? Like we are, as a property management company, the, our client is the landlord. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they live in Australia or Japan, and we hardly ever talk to them. Right. Our relationship is really with the tenant. Yep. Um, we, we see them, mm-hmm. we physically see them more often. Mm-hmm. We probably talk to them more often because <laughs> we need to share information about the prepping for the weather sure. or they've got a maintenance issue, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want to have a confrontational no. relationship with them. We want mm-hmm. them to feel, um, really good about where they're living mm-hmm. and they want, I want them to be super happy with us. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a testimonial for our company from a client is great. Yep. A testimonial from a tenant is even better. Yep. Um, and uh, it really is a shame that there's there's so many people who who have this kind of adversarial view of how right. a landlord tenant dynamic mm-hmm. you know is supposed to work. It's not supposed to work that way. No, I feel like if that was what you had to deal with every time you rented a property, I feel like you wouldn't be a property provider no. or a rental housing provider for very long. No. Yeah. I you, I mean we have clients who send Christmas gifts to their uh-huh. tenants, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Yeah. We we want people to be happy. Um and uh so I, I think it's I I can't speak for everyone at RHA, of course, but I I think that that is also a very high priority within the organization and most, if not all of its members. Um, And, uh, you know, I just, I think it's important that as an industry, as members, as housing providers, we continue to kind of push that talking point. 100%. and you know we we've gotten a lot into the okay there's this big behemoth mega corporate landlord mm-hmm. based in New York okay yep. and then there's you know our clients our yeah. members yeah. um and there is a difference Absolutely. um and talking about the 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 benefits to the tenant experience mm-hmm. when they have the fortune to interact with someone like us yep. honestly i believe that uh, as opposed to a nameless faceless maybe even a robot 
right? Yeah. Okay. Robocall, yeah. They're, yeah. Trying, they're trying to automate all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. Uh, I think it's important that RHA members, other housing providers, um, you know, uh, take the time and effort to invest in their own best practices, mm -hmm. their own education, advocating for themselves. Yep. Um, you know, some people are very comfortable taking meetings and public speaking and things of that nature. Others aren't. So maybe you make a pack donation. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and and help, uh, you know, uh, move the needle uh, with the people who are willing to do that kind of thing. We're always looking for pack donations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it did not pay me to say that. Um, but just the like the the reputation, like the more we can reinforce mm -hmm all the you know positive things that we bring to the table and it like I could I could go down the rabbit hole on this but there's also this there's this assumption that if you rent your home as opposed to owning your home yep. you are inherently at some kind of disadvantage right. you're poor mm -hmm. you are oppressed like there's something working against you right. because you don't own your own home um, and that is the case for some people, but not everyone. Um, and I think it's really important to tell the story that like a lot of the tenants that we work with, they don't want to own a home. Sure. Um, they, I mean, I, I personally in the last year at my house, I've had to do a crawl space clean out. I've had to have yep. my furnace fixed. Uh -huh. Like, okay, it gets very expensive. Yep. And so as a renter, um, you know what your monthly payment is going to be. That's it. Your taxes don't go up. Mm -hmm. Okay, once a year you might have a rent increase. Mm -hmm. You might not. Yep. Um, but you're not going to get blindsided with a new water heater or something like nope. that. So, or a roof replacement. There's forty thousand okay, dollars right there. Right now. Yeah. So a lot of people have have very uh, intentionally made that choice. Yep. Um, and if they have money to invest elsewhere, they they do it elsewhere. Yep. Um, and then we also see a lot of people um, who who know that they're only coming to the Seattle area for short time, year and a half. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're, we're going to, we're, we're working on this project for SpaceX yep. and we're going to be back to where we came from in you know, Tennessee year and a half from yep. now. Yep. So it doesn't make any sense for us to buy a house. No. We have four kids. We want them to be in a good school. Okay. Yep. So we, we need that. We need that big house in the nice neighborhood. Yep. That's what works for us. Right. Um, and through all ladders of the housing or all rungs of the housing ladder, mm -hmm. you know, from big families to single occupants, diff all the different price points, right. all the different neighborhoods, th those options need to be out there for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny you mentioned the repair thing. Yeah. I, I've, I have several uh, people, you know, my age, like mid, mid thirties and that, that's their exact point. They're like, I don't know if I even want to own a house. Like I, they hear the you know stories from me of oh I had to fix you know you said yeah. the water heater or uh, yeah. you know I put in some new very average carpet this 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 uh -huh. year and it was like four thousand dollars uh -huh. very average carpet in a couple uh -huh. of rooms, um, and you know you put it it just it all adds up you got to do new flooring at some point or whatever and and uh, you never have to worry about that and I know you get your return on investment in theory when you when you uh, yeah. sell or yeah if, if you, you hold it long enough yeah it, it'll work out for you right yeah but as you said if you're only going to be here for a couple yeah. of years doesn't doesn't really make sense it if you have to be able to handle the stress too yeah yeah, yeah. 
And even if it's not like, okay, you're giving up this long-term investment by rent. Okay, that's one thing. But the like the the years it takes to get there, yep. do you want to be stressed out that whole time? <laughs> and a lot of people yep. have chosen, no, no, I don't want to be stressed out right. with the roof replacement. Right. Our, so, uh, our first house, my, my, our oldest, my daughter was, I think, six months old. And we, it was a 1915 house um, in, in uh, North Tacoma. Server line collapsed. Yeah. Like six, six months old. We didn't have the money at the time, yeah. just to be honest with you. So did you have to jackhammer we, through we the had driveway? To, uh, they did one little one little yeah. section actually. Yeah. But I mean, we had to do because you know it's the homeowners. Yeah. We had to go take out a HELOC, and we had to like you know pool money together. Even in I think this was, was 2018. Even in 2018 dollars, it was 12, 12, 12 Gs. Yeah. To, oh, to yeah. redo the sewer line, and uh, as a renter, that's you know something that you would never have to i mean it would still you have to live through right it. you'd have to live through it, which would be unfortunate but you're not paying for it yeah and uh yeah that was a that was a steep steep curve there that was fun um so if we have we talked people out of home ownership right. pretty effectively <laughs> yeah. i think yeah. we did a pretty yeah. good job have yeah. you heard about those interest rates yeah too? yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um on, on that note yeah. uh gosh it would be so powerful if um if you know housing providers who do have awesome relationships with their tenants can can get their tenants involved in these conversations absolutely as well i think it'd be a very powerful testimony um, yep yeah 100 uh, as you said a a uh, tenant testimonial is, uh, speaks volumes um mm-hmm. uh, yeah absolutely well that's a wrap for this week's episode thanks again for taking the time to listen to the rental housing association of washington's podcast housing matters i hope you enjoyed my interview with Corey brewer uh, go ahead and click like or subscribe and that way you'll be notified every time we release a new episode whether that's on any of the popular podcast platforms or if you prefer the video version on youtube if you have a topic that you believe should be covered in a future episode of housing matters please feel free to email at me at my email c h j a l s e t h at rhawa.org. Please feel free to email me if you have any uh, suggestions for topics or if you think you I, I should be diving deeper into something that is affecting our um, collective industry together. The views expressed in episodes of RHAWA's Housing Matters podcast do not necessarily represent the views and policies of the Rental Housing Association of Washington. Formal legal advice and review is recommended prior to selection and use of this information. RHAWA does not represent your selection or execution of this information as appropriate for your specific circumstance. The material contained and represented herein, although obtained from reliable sources, is not considered legal advice or to be used as a substitution for legal counsel. Copyright 2023.